Should I get a piano? Should I get a new phone? Should I try to get you alone for a minute or two before the guests arrive? You're listening to a special podcast produced by UMFM 101.5 in partnership with the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Running Thursday, July 6th through Sunday, July 9th at Picturesque Birds Hill Park. Winnipeg Folk Festival is a celebration of people and music that has been one of North America's premier outdoor music festivals for over 40 years. I'm Michael Elts, host of Thank God It's Free Range, and this episode spotlights Charlotte Cornfield. Cornfield, an acclaimed singer-songwriter, has released five albums in just over a decade. Her most recent, Could Have Done Anything, came out on Nextdoor Records. Charlotte Cornfield will be performing at 11.30 a.m. at Big Blue Stem on Friday, July 7th. For the full lineup, a complete list of set times, to purchase tickets, and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival, visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca. Should we move this chair into the middle of the room? Should we paint the walls white of Los Angeles blue? Should we leave the door ever so slightly askew? For the light, for the breeze, for the cat, to come through Well, she has a new record, could have done anything. She'll be bringing it to Birds Hill Park, playing the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Charlotte Cornfield, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So uh, I'm, I'm very curious. I mean, this is a, a deeply personal record, or at least mm-hmm. the, the, the songs come across as deeply personal. And it, it makes me wonder, like, do you ever write something that feels deeply personal that actually isn't to you, or do they all have to kind of spring from a place that you've felt, some emotions that you've experienced? Yeah, I think they, like, it's changed over time. I feel like my songs all kind of naturally have some personal resonance because that's what I gravitate towards. But on this record, I, in terms of, like, the storytelling and stuff like that, some of the 
some of the songs pull directly from my own experience. Some of them are more um, just narratives that I put together. And so it's not, it's not all like completely drawn from my life, but it all kind of is thematic material that I can relate to. Do you like purposely sit down and write? Like, like I know, you know, like a writer like Stephen King talks about kind of like, you know, he checks in, right? Like he goes to the office in some sense and, and does the hours. And I know some mm. people that can only write kind of when they're in a Zen state of like, I've had some inspiration and I can like bang out one or two songs during that period. What's, what's your process like? And I, I'm curious as to like, kind of, are you intellectually in a, like a headspace where it's, it's a process thing or are you kind of in a, in an emotional space where it's, it's like a feeling thing? Yeah, it used to be a way for me to process emotion. So I would just like gravitate to writing when I was going through something. But in the last bunch of years, it's kind of turned into more of like, I treat it like a job and a craft, but it's still, I still feel more pulled to it when there is inspiration. But during the pandemic, I think it was early 2021, some friends of mine who live in Edmonton reached out and we had all read Jeff Tweedy's book, How to Write One Song, mm. which is just a beautiful little book about songwriting. And whether you're a professional songwriter or you've never written anything before, I think it, it's got a lot of like little gem creativity gems. And one of the things that he talks about is um, just the idea of sitting down to write every day. So we decided to create a Zoom group that would meet every week and we would have like a fragment or a whole song or something to um, to kind of share with the group and get feedback on each week. So that was the first time I've ever really had a sort of imposed deadline. And I found I was writing more than ever and kind of digging deeper than I normally would and writing sort of about things that that um, that felt a little bit different. And so, yeah, so that group kind of really structured me on writing the songs for this record. Almost all of them were kind of written um, during that time. And we still we still meet. And I just find it really nice to have to be able to have people to play a new song for on a regular basis and just get see how it's resonating and stuff like that. When, when you say see how it's resonating, like, have you ever had a situation where, like, you are fully invested in a song and then, like, it's it falls flat in terms of the reaction from those other people? Yeah, definitely. And, and in that way, I really value genuine feedback from people because I think it is really easy to get into your own head about stuff. And I've had things where I'm like, oh, I think this is really great and it makes a lot of sense to me, but... I really appreciate the the friends and peers who are just like, oh, that's not quite landing on my end. And why don't you try this? Or just like, what do you think about that? And what really, what was really powerful to me about that thing was this line and maybe not the rest of it. And that stuff, I just, it's something I really value just about musical community is that kind of feedback. So it's definitely good to have a sounding board, I find. Right. Now, Highs and the Minuses you released in October 2021. Were mm -hmm. any of those songs the product of the this like Zoom group or had that all kind of been gestating prior to pandemic? Yeah, I think that started um, 
None of the highs and the minuses songs were written for that group, although I think there was some timing overlap between when I was recording and um, and when the group started. But um, during the pandemic, like the writing process for highs and the minuses pretty much spanned like March 2020 to like August 2020. And because my life had totally like the decks were cleared, all the shows were canceled. I was writing a lot just personally during that time. And while I didn't have a group like this, this group at that point, I was meeting regularly with this amazing songwriter from Nashville who was kind of mentoring me, this person, Kim Ritchie, who we had met in Banff, like, because I was doing a songwriter residency as COVID was coming down, like, in March and we all got sent home and mm. Kim was like, yeah, I'll hang out with you on zoom and just, we can shoot the shit and, and I'll listen to your songs and give you feedback. And I just found that so helpful. So we did a kind of weekly session for a while and getting her uh, feedback was really valuable for sure. So you had kind of a, a taste of this process with the highs and the minuses stuff with Kim and then a, like a more yeah. full fledged experience on this new record, do you see like a difference in the songs that you're writing as a result of that, like change in process and that, and that feedback loop that you're getting now? Yeah, I think in some ways it's easier to finish things because I find without the dead, like without some kind of deadline, like I can let something drag on for a while, but in terms of process, yeah, I think before, before pandemic, I was used to trying new songs out at shows and seeing how they were resonating. And that's something that isn't happening as much anymore, just because, I mean, there weren't shows during that time and there aren't as as many. Uh, I mean, like it's all picking up. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think my process just changed a bit because I was just doing it so much and like the natural growth and evolution of a thing. Um, as you spend time with it, I think. Um, but did, yeah, did my style like fundamentally change? I don't, I don't necessarily think so, but I think there's a confidence that comes with like just doing it over and over and over and over. The, the rep, yeah. the reps that you get from it. Now, yeah, I, I know usually with artists, there's, there's a couple songs that like are left on the, on the cutting room floor when it comes time to making the record. Mm-hmm. What was the, like, inclusion rate let's say for for stuff on uh, on could have done anything like did you did you find most of what you wanted to put on the record landed on the record or how did you kind of sift through things yeah i um yeah i mean the group helped because like if something wasn't landing like there were some songs that like i could tell when there was a strong reaction and i was like okay this this is going to work. And it's also about things fitting together too in this symbiotic way. So yeah, definitely playing songs with that group kind of helped me sift through. And there's definitely some stuff that I left behind before I even got to the studio. Mm. But when I got to the studio, Josh Kaufman, who produced the record, like he, he had heard some of the demos, but he was basically like, let's just sit on the porch of the studio and you just play me stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and I'll and I'll sort of say, let's do that right now. Let's do that tomorrow. Let's do that when we're in the other studio in a couple of days. And and yeah, he'd be like, oh, I'm not 
I think this song's really great, but I'm not really feeling it in conjunction with everything else. And so there were a few tunes that we didn't end up um, recording and then two songs that we recorded that didn't end up on the record, mm -hmm. um, but will come out in, in other ways um, just because they didn't fit thematically or whatever. Um, but I would say that the stuff that I felt really strongly about is all there. So, so when you say it didn't fit thematically, like what do you feel is the theme of the record? Like I know as a listener, having listened to the whole record where I sit on this record, but like you as the creator, what did you feel was kind of like linking all these songs? Yeah, I think it's, there's a lot of sort of like acceptance moving on sort of hopefulness about it and revisiting past experiences with a level of resolve. Um, I write a lot about relationships, all kinds of relationships, be it friendships, romantic, family, or otherwise. And I think, um, yeah, I on a lot of these songs, I kind of revisited some conflict. There's some like difficult times that happened in certain relationships with, with a level of, um, yeah, having moved on from that and, and sorted through it. And um, yeah, so I think those are, those are kind of the resonant themes and there is a lot of someone pointed out to me the other day, there's a lot of sort of like Vista sunset imagery. And I think there's like an openness to this record that um, sort of like open, clean slate, open skies. Um, and that's, those are the visuals that pop to mind when I think about it. Well, even when you talk about painting a room, it's either, you know, this white or the like California blue and it's, yeah. the, it's the sky blue, right? It's not like enclosed yeah. or or to make you feel in a smaller space. Uh, yeah. Th there's also like a, a wistfulness to some of the songs. At least I, I interpret it as that. Like you, you said, Definitely. you know, kind of like looking back on relationships or, or kind of reevaluating them. Is that like work you've done yourself or is that kind of like you trying to do that work through these songs? I think it's a bit of both. Um, but yeah, I think... I think that, yeah, the wistfulness, the looking back on things was a big part of writing this record because I feel like, especially when I was in my young, like, 20s and mid-20s, things feel so intense at that point and I felt so inside of everything. And now I feel like I can look back on things for what they were. And so there is this element of, like, wistful nostalgia, I think, that comes out. I mean, the title itself suggests, I mean, it's 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 one of the song titles too, but like the, the could have done anything is like a reflection of like, oh, the possibilities at that point. Yeah, totally. When, when you can just make any number of decisions and then you make one and that's what you went with in that moment and kind of informed whatever else happened that day, month, year. Um, yeah, and I think about that too with regards to making an album because there's so many choices that go into making a record and when approaching this record I was just like yeah I thought it was kind of a funny idea could it could have done anything and I did this kind of thing well speaking of choices what led you to Josh as your producer yeah so I mean I've been a fan of Josh's work for a long time I first saw him play I think in 2017 um when I was at Pickathon Festival in Oregon playing drums with my friend Tim Darcy. Josh was playing with his Golden Messenger and I was just really struck by his musicianship. And then he produced um, 
a bunch of records that I love, like an overview on phenomenal nature by Cassandra Jenkins was a big one for me. And Anais Mitchell's um, latest record and then his own band, Bonnie Light Horseman. And I loved all that stuff. And Anais has been a friend for a long time. And I was chatting with her and she said, yeah, you should totally work with Josh. And I had it had already been on my mind. So I asked her to introduce us and she kind of email introed us. And, and that was how that happened. And and he was yeah, he was down to, to work on stuff. And it was a really, really great collaboration. Did you point to any specific records he'd done or just kind of describe kind of what you were looking for? Like, how did you kind of agree upon kind of what? what sound you were trying to achieve yeah like he he sort of like straight up asked me like what yeah what of the stuff that i've worked on do you like and i mentioned cassandra's record i mentioned anais's record and and i think there yeah there was this consensus that we wanted to leave things pretty open-ended and not not hire session musicians and not try to shape it we would just go song by song and he and i kind of played all the instruments and and because he's such a phenomenal musician and has so many great ideas, I just wanted to kind of like leave things open to to him and to me to see what ideas we could put down. And it ended up being a really fruitful experience. Sure. Now, I'm always curious about kind of sequencing and, and decisions that go into like where songs fit in, in the record. Cut and Dry is right, yeah. in, right in the middle. And it's one of the like earliest songs you've released on on this record. Like, like, do you feel this is like the heart of the record? And particularly, I'm curious because the video uh, f- for this features like home movies of you as a child. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like my life. Yeah, in music. Um, yeah, I think it it uh, it touches on, or maybe sums up some of the themes of the record. Um, and it feels like a, a a centerpiece, not necessarily the centerpiece, but a um, a key piece in a way. Cap like just this idea that, and I think I've been thinking a lot about um, how categorical we can be in this digital age, and sometimes writing people off or cutting them out is like a necessary thing, um, which I totally get. But I feel like there's a lot of like minimizing of humanity that happens when there's this need to be like categorical about people. Um, And I think I was just thinking about that a lot and that came up on this record. And I personally have had a few friendships where there was like conflict that came up and the instinct is to kind of like be like, okay, this isn't working. Let's cut it off there. But in all of those cases, I feel like I've, me and the other the person at the other end like worked through it and that was like so much more valuable of an experience and so i was thinking about that and then also in relation to my own life just this need to move on and like separate yourself from the past and yeah and i i just wanted to get back in touch with my past self and i think in the video i mean the video is my brother's idea but in watching the footage back i was like whoa like yeah, I've grown and all this stuff has happened over the course of my life, but I've always been like super passionate about music, like really excited about being on stage. Like there's so much of me now that I see in that person, especially now like being on the cusp of having 
a kid, like it was just so cool to to look back on on that stuff. So it was your brother's idea. What did he say to you as like the inspiration or why that concept was what he wanted to go with on on this song? Um, well, he said he was getting a really nostalgic feel for the song. And it was making him think about um, the past and our childhood and stuff like that. And then he remembered that he had all this footage that like was, I think my parents had given him to digitize, but he hadn't looked at it yet. And so, yeah, so then he kind of pitched that idea to me and I was like, I was really into it. So Sure. Now coming to Folk Fest with a new record, are you like going to focus on the new record or, I mean, you got a, a hefty discography at this point. Like, do you feel like <laughs> you, you can tap into older stuff or what's, What's what's the plan of attack for something like this? Yeah, I mean, I've been putting together the set and I think, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of stuff off. Could have done anything. But in reality, like there have been three records and an EP that came out in the last four years. So, yeah, so the set kind of draws from um, my sort of faves or or the crowd faves from from those. But it'll be a, a mix of everything. Sure enough. Now, focus on the new record. before I let you go, I want to get you to pick a track off of Could Have Done Anything that we can play for listeners to close this out. And if you have a reason why you're picking that song or an anecdote about it, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, for sure. I, I'd love to choose the song Gentle Like the Drugs, which is the first song on the record. And the reason I'm choosing it is it, it's got a really summery feel. And this song kind of came about after I went on tour with my band opening for Pedro the Lion from Seattle last spring. On the Havasu tour? Pardon? On the Havasu tour? Yeah, exactly. Love that record, yeah. yeah. So good, yeah, so many great songs. And we just like had, for whatever reason, sometimes touring can be difficult for, for many reasons, but it was just the best tour I've been on. Everybody was in a really good mood. We were driving through really beautiful parts of the US, like, Colorado, Arizona, uh, desert scapes, and then the ocean. And I, yeah, I hadn't really, a lot of places that I hadn't been before. And the Pedro the Lion crew was just so, we just instantly bonded with them. And so it was just a very beautiful experience. And I look back on it with such fondness. And I think, yeah, that's what kind of inspired the the openness and the feel of this song, some of those images yeah what made that your choice to like lead off the record with then um i like to start with 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 something that's kind of scene setting and because of all the imagery in that song and the kind of the feel groove wise it just felt like a good place to start all right Um, yeah gentle like the drugs we'll give that one a listen uh charlotte thanks for taking some time and looking forward to seeing you at winnipeg folk fest thanks so much i can't wait to go I see a dust devil 
I'm Michael Alves, and you've been listening to a special podcast spotlighting Charlotte Cornfield for performing on Friday, July 7th at 11.30 a.m. at Big Blue Stem at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. To hear more featured artists, visit umfm.com, and be sure to visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca to get tickets to this great event running July 6th through 9th at Birds Hill Park.